I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. You know, it used to be that all kinds of companies would sponsor entertainment such as TV and radio shows, and it would seem that those days are back. The result of this, where a certain brand teams up with a certain artist or creator, is that in my case, and appropriately so, my greatest supporter and the reason why I can even bring this podcast to you is due to the patronage and support of Aggressor Adventures, who have mastered the art of adventure vacations for more than 38 years. Choose Aggressor and choose your adventure. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. So it's like this. I don't really want to talk to people without an opinion or without strong convictions or simply drab, but may have written a book or produced an album or directed a movie or something. You see, I do this podcast because I need my own version of inspiration to get me up off my butt and out there creating. I'm inspired by strong-willed and strong-minded individuals as well as gentle, giving, quiet, loving souls. An example of that? Miss Rosa of Hammond, Louisiana, a dear 72-year-old lady who had her home destroyed by Hurricane Ida and uses that situation to continue to feed people by the dozen or more at a time. A person like that can make me cry. And she did. But a lot of times, the best inspiration comes from those people who occupy both worlds. They can be acerbic, They can be cutting. They can be sharp-witted. But they can also be human, sensitive, and caring. I think of Margaret Atwood or Bruce Coburn. Yeah, you don't mince words with Margaret. She, as they say, doesn't suffer fools. And I always admire that. 
I think of all the wonderful vets that I've met while working with disaster response specialists Team Rubicon, women and men who have served in this war or that war and now serve to help people after a disaster. And I think of this guy, George Strombolopoulos, otherwise known as Strombo. Don't get me wrong, I haven't drank his Kool-Aid, because I don't drink anyone's Kool-Aid, except my own. But I love my talks with Strombo because it's like a game of conversational cat and mouse in my mind. I'm the only one playing it. He's just talking. He talks, and I listen for the contradiction or the thing I want to challenge him on. It's tough. Now, he's not perfect, and neither am I. And in spite of our convictions on numerous subjects, we both know this. We both get it. We try to fix our flaws as much as we sometimes simply come to terms with them. But like George does, I'm starting to go off on a tangent here. So let's pick it up where we left off part one, sitting in a park in Toronto with the sounds of the city in the background. Listen to George talk about today's generation of young kids bubble-wrapped but smart and tough emotionally in other ways and being a social justice warrior. But a warning, there's lots of F-bombs. Naughty language. So if that's not your thing, then maybe go listen to The Hidden Brain. Oh, I do love that show. You learn so much. Or maybe Alan Alda with Clear and Vivid. I really want to be on that show someday, Alan. But for now, these are the continuing words of George Strombolopoulos. Strombo. But the impact is significant if you're irresponsible. With, with the presence, and I refuse to be irresponsible. I will pick fights with the people that I think are irresponsible. So I'm a frontline worker in my line of work. This is life on earth. This is who we are. If you book a guest on a talk show who says things that are controversial, they want to boycott you for even booking the guest. We let it get this far. It's a dangerous world. And I don't, I never wanted to be protected from it's a dangerous world. And it was a very dangerous world when I was a kid. And I am grateful that I saw it up front, up close. And now I don't have any fear because I, because my, because on a, just on a pure physiological level, my body was processing fear, right? So much up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. That now it's like, fuck, my, my bar is so high. If you want to get, I was in Sudan and Darfur during the, the war when the genocide was going on. I what, remember. What, what were you doing there? You can't throw that sentence out. Well, I was, I was out there doing something and I, um, <laughs> I was. Uh, Hang on. Okay. I was in trouble. I, had, I was getting in trouble with the Janjaweed, the people who were committing the, the, the genocide. I ran from them. And they were in a, in a pickup truck with a big fucking gun in it and like 15 guys and they were coming at me and I was just running, 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 running. Got into where I was staying and I walked up to the people I'm with. I'm like, I need a gun, I need a gun, I need a gun right now. Give me a gun right now. They said, we don't have a gun. I'm like, it's a war. Why don't you have a fucking gun? And they said, well, we can't have guns. I went, it's a war. Give me a gun. And they said, do you know how to use a gun? I said, I do. Get me a fucking gun. That's the last time I was scared. And that was and that was 2009. Glad to hear you were scared. Yeah, for sure. Because I was like, shit, this is bad news. And it was my fault. And I, I mean, I did anything wrong, but it was my fault. And I, that's my bar for fear now is like that. Chased by guys with a big fucking gun in the back of a pickup truck in a war zone. I don't even get scared when a guy pulls a gun on me here. Yeah, that's higher than the bar you you had in Rexdale. Hundred percent. And I'm grateful because I learned it at the time. And I don't. And I, I've processed. I've been very lucky that I experienced enough trauma, and I processed it. 
So I didn't bury my ideal. I dealt with my shit. You, you've got me thinking about something here that I want to ask you about because uh, part of me is like challenging Strombo's not going to happen because there's no, there's no, it's very difficult to challenge you because you're a smart man, intelligent man. You're very quick witted, very fast on your feet. But you can challenge you're, me. You're, oh, I know. And that's my yeah. intention, yeah. Uh, you know, and you're verbose like me in that wonderful articulate way. However, I'm hearing what you're saying. You're saying you, you recognize how much you benefited from the fear and the getting over it and all. Okay, left swing here. Then reconcile that with now. You're not a millennial, you're pre-millennial. Reconcile that with the bubble wrap requests now to put everybody safe from getting poked, everybody's feelings safe from being hurt when simple statements are made but they're misconstrued as being hurtful and all that stuff that's going on right now. And, and you and I talk about this, I mean, all the different podcasts and all these things you listen to and watch, yeah. that whole, like, everybody wants to be in a safe bubble now, safe spaces. We have words for it now. Yeah. Reconcile where you came from with that because sometimes when I hear you talk, I, I, I'm, I'm like, so is, is George, like, is he like, like kind of like a social justice warrior? Yeah, totally. Okay, I'm totally so a social justice warrior. Reconcile yeah. the two because well, I don't think they, I think they're incongruent. Well, no, the only thing that's incongruent is that I am very appreciative of experiencing the kinds of things that people don't want to experience today, right? So right. parents and yeah. kids and the, and the Twitter world are all about ultra protection for sure. And you're right, the bubble wrap society. And, and I don't think that I would be the person I was if I grew up like that. And I like the guy that I am. So, it's, so I don't have to reconcile the two, but here's what I, what I will say is, every generation's fucked, right? Every generation does something nice, for the culture and every generation does something shit for the culture. It's a good quote, I like that, yeah. So the millennials who are by many definitions softer than we were, are also the first generation that are telling people, you can't go out there and bully somebody because of their sexuality. Our generation was shit at that. Yeah. Our generation let homophobic words go and racist words go and, um, and let misogynist words go. This generation's not letting that happen. So that's way better. Like they're way fucking better than okay, we are. But pendulum, you know? yeah. pendulum is the pendulum. Cause right now the pendulum feels like it's going to at some point be up here where we get into all sorts of craziness. I don't think that we are ever going to get it totally right. Cause we're animals and we're animals with uh, interesting brains that are really equipped for problem solving. Momentum is saying that the world is getting safer. That's what the, the statistics say, right? We know that the income inequality gap is rising. We know that that's going to be, have to be reckoned with. But we also know that we live in a culture now where people are even aware of the concept of being transphobic. When we were kids, that would never have happened. Mm -hmm. So this generation is way better than we are. When we were kids, I don't even think we knew what it was. No, we were of course not. We were ignorant. So this generation does some things that I look at and go, yeah, I think you listen to a lot of shitty music. And I don't mean shitty music sounds. Because sounds are whatever. And my mom thought my music was shitty. But my music was political. This music's not political. This music's personal. And I think personal's boring for me. That, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just for me, it doesn't resonate, right? So I don't love the fact that this generation loves to opt into brands the way they do. But this generation is the generation of Greta, right? This is the Greta generation. And, and all these high school kids protesting, that's Greta. That's a kid. So a kid with Asperger's too, which is something that, you know, there are TV series now where the lead is somebody with autism or right. Asperger's. Or Tourette's. Or, or yep. Tourette's, yeah, like that, that shit wouldn't have happened in our time and like as much as it happens now. So I love the fact that this generation, now granted it is 
us who are making the shows. So we are making shows that are more inclusive. We are making shows that are more representative. But I don't know that, and I think that you and I would have done that anyway, but the networks wouldn't have felt the pressure if that generation didn't rise up. So I don't have to reconcile the fact that I think that the kids could be a little tougher because the truth is the men who raised me thought I could be a little tougher. I mean, those guys, like my grandfather was fucking tough. I'm not, I'm a tough dude. I'm not, I'm nothing compared to the toughness of my pop who was. That guy was a fuck. He was a teenager when he ran away to join the war, right? Like this guy was tough. I'm not that tough. So I think every generation is getting tougher in, in their values than we ever were. We were tough physically. They're tougher emotionally. And I respect that. We were better at just wow, barreling tougher, through it. Tougher emotionally. Wow, that's... If Bill Maher was sitting right here, he would, he'd be jumping off his seat at well, this Well, no, moment. no. I think what Bill Maher is saying, and I agree with Bill Maher, and my lefty friends and I disagree on this all he, the time. Like, he calls them emotional hemophiliacs. One, yeah. one wrong word and yeah. they're bleeding. Oh, no, know? they're bleeding for sure. Yeah. But I don't think you have to have them as isolated. Thing. I don't think like you can only have one. I think that Bill has his opinion. Sure. Yeah. And... I have, an, I have a, an unpopular opinion about Bill Maher, but I, which I'll share with you if you want to hear Please. it. But, yeah, I do, of course. But just to, to, to tie the bow on that, I think what I mean by they're tougher emotionally is they stand up to injustice better. This generation stands up against injustice way better than we did. We were the litter crew. They're not the litter crew. And there is quote upon quote upon quote about, you know, it's not the person doing the evil, it's the one standing along and watching it happen. 100%. So yeah. I think this generation is much tougher this way than, than we ever were. We were also not equipped. We were not informed. We were not educated. We didn't have access to information. We, we honestly had what the library had. You know, that's the, so we did the best we could with what we have. They're doing the best they can with what they have. This is also the first generation that is really standing their ground that, in that way. I mean, that's not true. The Vietnam War, there's always been protests. And, suffragettes. Yes, goes, yeah, always right. been that. But this generation's doing it in a bigger way, I think. Now, if Donald Trump decides he wants to continue the tradition of America not electing somebody who is, a, who is you know, a wartime president, he'll start a war. So let's say he starts Iran. If he brings back the draft, then you'll see fucking people protesting, yep. right? People protest the draft because they don't want their kids. They're only fake patriots. It's when their kids are scooped up. Well, that's, know, a great, then, that's a great then, point, George, because there's a quite a vast difference between heading down to Washington and staying out for four or five days on end and carrying a placard and putting your, your face and your body and your life. There's a big difference between that and hitting the like button. Yeah, but... This is the crew that the I, I I've been to a countless immigration and women's marches in L.A. There's a uh, they're there. People are going. People are mobilized. Um, people are far more engaged today than they have been in our time. Why? Why is that? Do you think is it the internet? I think they're better at organizing. I think also that you know parents like you. You have a kid. He seems to be put together. Like I didn't have kids, but our generation of parents, the guys our age and women our age just taught their kids a little better. I think the education system was better. I think television was better. I think community was better. I think that bullies are starting to get pushed around a little bit more like they deserved. I think people realize that Reaganomics was a lie. I think people realize that Thatcher fucked the kids. So that generation was wrong and they're being proven wrong. Now the modern conservatives still hold up Reagan as if he's some fucking God, but he was wrong. And I think a lot of people know that. So I just think this generation is better equipped and are doing better things than we did in a lot of respects. That being said, they are an ultra-sensitive generation. And while I think that's good in some ways, because I think it's important that people have the right to be heard and their voices fucking matter, and these are people who are never welcome to the party ever. 
the fact that people who are immigrants are standing up and the people who are, and I come from immigrants, the people who are transgendered are standing up, they were always yelling. They were just yelling and no one was listening to them. Now they're being heard. I'm okay with that. Bill Maher, here's my thought on Bill Maher. I'm a huge fan. That's, just know that. Have you ever met, and you, of course you have in your travels, you know when you go to a war zone and you meet the doctor who's working on the front lines, like the MSF, and you know how they have an edge on them? They've got, the, uh, they've got that frontline worker trauma. They have to. Yeah. I think Bill Maher has been fighting for wokeness and fighting for open conversation long before many people have on television. So I think Bill has got that frontline delivery. He's edgier than most people like because he has been doing this. He got fired for saying shit on television that was factually correct, but it offended the sponsors and it offended stupid jingoistic conservatives. He's been doing that long before these fucking people. I mean, and by people, I mean people on, I don't mean like any group in particular, but I mean long before people who are, who are, uh, who are fighting now. Long before woke long now? Before they, well, long before they were born. Yeah, yeah. Not woke because I do think like the Black Panthers and the civil rights movement, those guys the taught law, everybody. Long before SJW. Well, long Social before, which long before these kids were born. Yeah. I'm just saying he was, he's been doing it a long time. And I don't agree with everything Bill Maher stands for, but I don't agree with anything anybody stands well, do you, for. What, Everybody. Do you, do you think he's just getting, I think, think he's Bill getting Maher, tired? I think Bill Maher is very, pra he thinks he's very practical. I don't know him that well. I don't know him at all. I just interviewed him a few times. I really respect him. I think Bill Maher says shit that I go, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have said that. But also there's lots of shit I say that people wouldn't say. I think the problem is to expect people to be 100% on your side. They're not. I'm not 100% on the side of anybody that I, my mom, who I love more than anything, I agree with her 40% of the time. If someone's not in agreement with you, yeah. you, you and I were hanging out yesterday and we were yeah. talking, there was something that, that I disagreed with you on, but um, that we never really got, I, I, it was one of those things too, you, know, you drive away, you go, damn, I should have said this. What was the thing? But, um, it was, um, no, we're going to get into it again if I do that. Let me ask yeah. my question yeah, first. Uh, yeah. If someone does disagree with you, yeah. what's your next move? Is your move a matter of, and, and don't don't play the I understand everything card and, and I'm going to, no, no, I'm going to compromise less. Or do, or do you, do you, do you immediately seek the compromise? Do you try to listen? Or do you think, okay, I don't agree with you. I'm going to work on you until I get you to agree with It's a complicated me. answer. Yes, it is. Yeah. Right. It's a complicated and, question. Sorry. You know, I know, but I, I like the question, but it's a complicated answer because here's my brain, like everybody's brain is a computer. So it just kind of runs through some things. So I sit there and I say, do you know more about the subject than I do? And I'm very honest with myself. Or you say that in your brain. Yeah. One way to myself. Yeah. 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 Do I know more than this person Good does? Good question. Yeah. And I, if I do, then if you choose, I do, then it opens up a bunch of other options. If I choose, I don't. My mom taught me once, is it true, is it kind, is it necessary? So I just kind of look at people. I'll give you an example. When Justin Trudeau puts on blackface or brownface and I watch the reaction to it, I don't, I have opinions, but my friends who are black or brown, their opinions are on the subject are more relevant than mine. I would agree with that. Yep. So it's like when people go, yeah, but it's like, uh, yeah, sure, we can yeah, but to the fucking end of time, but shut up and listen. So I, I like to listen to people I disagree with. I, and this is actually the issue is that we don't have people talk anymore who disagree. If you book a guest on a talk show who says things that are controversial, 
they want to boycott you for even booking the guest. That's where I think this generation fucking sucks. Is that, and it's not a generation, I don't mean, sorry, not this generation. That's where I think this era sucks. Because it's people of all generations who are contributing to that. I'm not talking about giving a white supremacist a platform. Fuck those guys. Let them pound them into oblivion. Fuck Nazis. I have no time for Spencer. Fuck those guys. Yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about if people say shit you don't like, okay, bring them on. This is what I love about Bill Maher. He books on shitty Republicans. And I think there are a lot of shitty Democrats. But he books on people that I just, they say stupid shit. He puts on Scaramucci all the time. And I'm like, you can't rehabilitate Scaramucci. You can't rehabilitate Spicer. These fucking guys, they did it. The, the punishment is oblivion, right? But I would always welcome the conversation because I want to learn. I want to learn their point of view because it's not that I want to learn so I can think like them. It's I want to learn where they're coming from because we all have to live together. We all have to live together. So it's a lot easier when you understand people's points of view. You don't have to agree with them. I don't care. I'll go one step further where my friends are really in disagreement with me is I am a social justice warrior in that I am fucking fighting for my friends who are women, who are gay, who are trans, who are people of color, who are non-binary. Whatever you are, if you're being oppressed, I am there for you, for sure, in whatever way I can. And I will stand up nine all the time for them because I know that it's like, you don't need me to tell you what I think. It's not what I think. It's like, what do you need me to do? I've got privilege. How can I work with my privilege? What can I do? But my disagreement with a lot of my friends are, people just will say, well, you know, we just have to learn to love and respect each other. No, we don't. You don't have to love them. You don't have to respect them. You just have to let them do it. We want good laws that are fairly enforced. So I don't give a shit if my mom has her Christian opinion about something. As I said to my mom, you can disagree with this, but they have the right to do it. And that's what's important to me. I think the issues when people talk about, I, when fucking, what was her name, Williamson that went on, on the debate and just says, we just need more love. And I just remember going, don't need more love. We need justice. We don't need love. We need equity, equality. Before we continue, here's the music break for this episode of Surviving Life with me. And by the way, if you like this talk, then please check out part one of Strombo from season one of this podcast, where George relates growing up with an intensely loving, but also devoutly Christian mom. And George was into punk rock. For the most part, I only play music on this podcast from my own albums, simply because I can't afford to get rights to anyone else's. So what are you going to do? Just the same, I try to match up the lyrical content of my songs with the guests on the show. I have new songs that would work well with George, but I'm still mixing them for my two new albums coming out soon. So this is from my longest and deepest, if you will, musical project, the double vinyl album coming out soon, celebrating nature called Mother Earth. If you're listening, George, pay attention to the lyrics. I think you'll approve. This is Life on Earth. This is life on earth This is who we are How'd it come to this? How'd it get this far? Look around you now 
There's no more wild and free This is our last chance To make the bastards see If we pick up arms And draw our swords On those who rape the earth can win this war You know what? Aggressor Adventures, while being the largest liveaboard dive operation in the world, is so much more. They have safaris and excursions to the corners of the globe, exciting opportunities to see vast archaeology, history, and natural wonders. I've been traveling and diving with them for years, and I cannot endorse them enough for being simply the best there is at making sure your worldwide adventure is a safe, comfortable, and exciting one. Take it from a guy who has done a lot of adventuring. Who do I travel with on my vacations? 
Aggressor Adventures. You're surviving life with Les Stroud. Who have you had on in, on your show that you purposely had on knowing this might be an outcome? Or have you yet? Or I is, had this, a guy, is this yeah. where you're going? I've had a lot of um, religious people on my show. Religion? Okay. Yeah, a lot of religious people. And you knew like, I knew oh boy, here it goes. This is- I just knew that, I just thought, oh man, I hope they don't say something that forces me to fight them. Right? Because I don't want the, I don't like television that's a spectacle. And did they? Some did. Some say stupid shit to me. And did you respond? Did you react or were you, my mother were you hemmed is, in by? My mother still to this day gives me a hard time over an interview I did with a Christian leader. He was complaining about a movie that got some access to funding and the movie was called Young People Fucking. And he led this big, angry, white guy, white woman, Christian, angry bullshit about it, right? I had him on the show. I said, why, like, why do you care? He says, our money, I forget exactly the phrasing, but he's like, oh, we, we shouldn't be giving taxpayer dollars to this. I'm like, but why not? Like, why shouldn't we? And then I said to him, have you seen the movie? He says, no. And then my whole thing was, shut your mouth. And I went on him because I said, if this you- Is this on CBC? Yeah, it's on talk show. So if you can't, if you didn't see the movie, you're reacting to the concept of young people fucking, right? The idea that sex and, and I was like, cause that's the most Christian thing, right? They want to make women feel badly about themselves and men feel bad. I'll fight all Christians. I'll fight all religious people about this because they are the ones that kept women down culturally, as of course as powerful men did too, but it's about making people feel dirty for a natural thing. It's about making people feel insecure about sex and not that stuff. I, those prudes, I will fight all day long. So I was always like, I didn't want to bring them on to fight because I'm not Tucker Carlson or I didn't, I'm not into that vibe. I've had Tucker on the show. He said dumb shit and I called him on it and he was cool about it. I'm sure I've said dumb shit in the air and when people call me on it, I'm, thank you. Thank you for correcting me. I need to know I'm imperfect. I need to know. I want guidance. But I knew in those interviews that I was going to get into it. Um, did, they, I, did they air? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, for sure. That's why my mom's mad at me. Um, <laughs> of course, yeah. You, you've still got the piss and vinegar, and you've still got the fight oh, in you very much. The, and until so they put me in the ground, bro. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. Just, and I would suggest it's only building. <laughs> That's right. When you, yeah. when you first started in media, there's no question. I mean, if you were to say, oh, I, I, was, I was like this right at the beginning, I would say, yeah, no, you weren't. In the beginning... 1995, I'm doing a radio show. Okay. The Hockey Lockout. Oh, you're about to prove me wrong. The, oh, yeah. The Hockey Lockout was on. Sportscasters and hockey fans in this country kept saying, and they were talking about Gary Bettman. Wait a minute. Are you doing a music radio no, show No, I'm doing time? a sports talk show. A sports talk show? I started in sports in 93 at the fan. Yeah. Fair. I was in sports talk radio station in 93. Uh, I, I was uh, long before I was in... Uh, hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, I worked, I worked on Hockey Night in Canada with the same guys I worked with at the fan back then. Um, same, same crew. 95. Fans are going... People are going, New York lawyers are ruining hockey. New York lawyers are ruining hockey. New York lawyers are ruining hockey. So Bob Mackowitz, Jeff Merrick, and I were doing a late night show called Game, which is an anti-sports sports show. We love sports, but we hated the sports culture. We used to do our show naked because, or in our boxer shorts, because we knew it would keep the homophobic guys out of the studio from telling us what they thought of our show. We weren't gay, but we, we were working with a gay guy and we were pro-gay and we were pro-woman. and. Nikki Davis, who wrote for Word Magazine, said it took him 15 minutes listening to the show before he realized that we were white. And it wasn't because we, we didn't sound white, it was because we were playing black music and we were talking about it as, from the perspective of kids who grew up listening to rap, right? And in neighborhoods that were diverse. So they kept saying New York lawyers were ruining hockey on our own station. So we go on the air and say to the audience, when they say New York lawyers, what they mean is Jew. 
they're being anti-Semitic. Whoa, I didn't, sorry, I didn't see that yeah. one coming. And, but that's what they meant. And, now yeah. that you say, I, okay, I and, see. Okay. And we were like, fuck those guys. Jeez. Fuck those guys. They're being anti-Semitic and we don't support that. So anyway, we did this. We went long on it for 22-year-old kids, right? Who had, so anyway, I got the next, it was a Friday night on a Monday morning. I'm walking by my boss's office and he calls me in his office. Actually, he didn't even bring the office. It's in the hallway by his office. And I thought I was getting fired because he said, I, I listened to the show. So he, his name was Bob. Bob, my, Bob Mack was his dad. He said, I listened to the show. I heard what you guys said. He goes, you ripped the industry. You ripped the culture. You ripped the franchise, the one I worked at. You ripped your colleagues. And I, I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. And I knew I was done. And he said, um, he said, when you rip all that, you're essentially ripping me because I'm the one responsible for all this. And I said, yeah, no, I get it. He said, as your boss, I can't let you do this. I can't, I can't let you do that anymore. And I said, okay, I get it. I totally get it. He says, no, you're not listening to me. He said, as your boss, he said, as a listener, he said, I fucking loved it. And you guys were right. So tell you what, I'm just not going to listen anymore. Do your thing. No that's way. what my boss said to me. And that's why I'm the guy I am today, bro. Because that's good. Man. And I have not always said the right thing on the air. I've, I've lots of times said the wrong thing on the air. And then someone says, you shouldn't think that way. And when I was a kid, I wanted to do stuff like Howard Stern. When I was in college, I was saying shocking things that when I listen back to it now going, oh my God, it was awful. But I was trying to be like Johnny Rotten and I was trying to be like Howard Stern. And then I reached a point where I was like, oh, I, I, people would say to me, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't say those words. Here's why. And I went, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you. And I fucking changed. And so I, it's, I've been fighting for this shit. I'm, listen, I'm not a warrior in the sense, but, I'm, but I believe in the Joe Strummer be a punk rock warlord thing. You know, I'm not Joe, but Joe raised us to do this. So I think from the very beginning, I've believed strongly in, in, in justice. I also grew up in a neighborhood where I watched my friends who are not white get really uh, mistreated by the police. So I felt I was embarrassed and I was getting away with shit that my friends who are black were not getting away with. And it just fueled anger in me. Of all the interviews you've done, and you've done, yeah. oh, I'm gonna say thousands, not hundreds, probably yeah, thousands. Probably, yeah. Who did you walk away from feeling very motivated, very inspired, humbled, and yeah, just that. Motivated, inspired, humbled all at the same time. Who did you walk away from after? And it, whether it was CBC or whether it was hockey or whether it was sports or whether it was, you know, Strombo and House of Strombo, who? It's always Michael J. Fox. Really? It's interesting, you know, Mike's like June Callwood, Jane Goodall, David Suzuki, Stephen Lewis, lots of gods. Sure, right? yeah. I've learned from so many. Peter Mansbridge, I've learned from so many. John Waters was the coolest guy. I ever interviewed, like the coolest. You just looked at him and went, yeah, you win, dude. Yeah. That filmmaker, you win. Michael J. Fox philosophically is really important to me and taught me a lot. But dude, it's Bono. Like Bono is, this is a guy who through his actions has taught everybody, but directly taught me that when you stick your neck out, it will hurt your career. And that's okay. He taught me that. And it did. It did. But I'm okay with that. He said, more artists don't stick their necks out because they have too much sense. Because it brings a whole bunch of, whole bunch of controversy and pain to your life and your family's life. And I know people like to shit on YouTube sometimes and Bono. People were mad that Apple gave them a free album. This is a generation of people who stole a bunch of records that put a thousands of people out of work are fucking mad that the that Apple and YouTube did exactly what everybody opted in on by clicking okay when they agreed to the you know to the rights 
so people were mad about that, but they weren't mad about all the records they stole. So I was watching Bono at that point. I went, okay, this is a rock star who's in the same band with the same guys for 40 years plus. The same guys. They're friends. This is a rock star who's actually saved millions of lives. He was the guy that really helped to convince George W. Bush to untie aid. That made a big impact in fighting, you know, AIDS, with that in, in the U.S., and sorry, in, 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 in Sub-Saharan Africa. And I watched Bono get pummeled by these shitty fucking journalists and these shitty social commentary people and so many shitty people. And I'm looking at him going, how many lives have you saved today? And also, as John Bon Jovi said, you know, how many stages and rocked them all? Vince Neil said it like, he's rocked thousands, like he's rocked forever with his friends and also saved a lot of lives. So I learned a lot from, and I talk to a lot of bands, man, who love to shit on that band and then they meet them and then they, and Bono takes time to help bands work through their issues. Like I'm, I'm, Bono taught me the bunch. Yeah. And you're like, at the end of the day, we're, you know, I come across as earnest as hell sometimes, don't care. Don't care. I used to care about that. Bono taught me not to care. So it doesn't matter. Yep. Yeah. He's like, you know, he said to me, Bono said to me, I will sit down and have dinner with the devil if it means that we can save this many lives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's sacrifice. Most people are like, oh my God, I don't want to see anything that's bad. He's like, I'll fucking meet the devil, homie, if I could save lives. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, yeah, so I learned a lot from him. And every time I interviewed him or rolled with him, uh, I learned an awful lot. That's, um, I mean, the whole, you said the word earnest, which is, I've been facing it for years and years in the television industry. Earnest is defined as boring in their minds. Oh no, we don't want, they, they go the other, they're like, oh no, nothing too earnest now. Let's just stick to reality television where we can make up these silly little things. Because well, it's bullshit. And it is, it is Re complete reality bullshit. Reality is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, earnest is like people who are working hard to do something and yeah, they're really serious about it. And okay. they mean it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you want a fucking doctor that's earnest? Yeah, yeah. then shut the hell up. You know? <laughs> Listen, I, I, yeah. I know that this is where your audience will tune out. They won't like if they haven't tuned out already from me, but this this annoys people with this point of view that I have, but I don't care because it's like... Oh, I don't have an audience, George. Don't worry. <laughs> well, well what, I, what I mean... <laughs> no, actually, what I mean is... What I mean to say is I don't... You know, we, we could define the Survivor Man Lestrade audience, you know, as the, you know, all this and that and the other, but in the end, I'm... What you're saying is what I've been constantly... I will say, trying yeah. to internalize. <clears throat> Let's face it, when I did the Bigfoot series, people freaked out. What are you doing that shit for? But you know what? I had a reason for doing it, and I wanted to do it. Because it was I, fun. Because it, it was fun, and because there was experiences that I had that were over the top. Uh, and you got paid, I hope. Of course I got paid. There you go. Yeah, it was definitely a job. But Everybody who gets mad at you for doing a show for money, ask them what they do for a living. You know, you got you to pay bills. And sometimes you take jobs for money. I did. Well, they also once. they often think you get a lot more money than you're really yeah, getting you don't to. Get that much money. I remember that saying that to someone one time. Well, you're a celebrity. No, no, I'm a Canadian yeah, we celebrity. Work. Yeah, we go big, to work. Big, big difference. Dude, the, most Canadian prime ministers after they leave office need a job. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, they can't keynotes, yeah, but you know. Yeah, but even then, they still got to work. So yeah. They got to get on boards. They got to find a way to get paid. Do you do that? Do you do keynotes? You go and talk? I do sponsored gigs. I do corporate gigs. I don't really do keynotes. I do Q&As. I'll either interview somebody or I'll have somebody interview me. I have been getting a, no, lot of a lot of... Sorry to interrupt. There's a lot of corporates that would not want you. Yeah, of course. But then they shouldn't book me. They shouldn't book me. Yeah, I'm not I'm not there for everybody. I was with Joseph Boyden. Yeah. And he and Terry O'Reilly and myself, we yep. were the keynote speakers for a, an event that was sponsored by, ready yep. for it? Yep. Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Joseph got up. Yeah. And he said some shit. And the main guys were sitting behind me. Amazing. <laughs> and he vir virtually said, he goes, 
Uh, well, what did you expect? You, you, expect? you, you book a left-wing yeah. author on it. Yeah, yeah. what did you expect? I'm going to talk about it. And of course, he talked against the pipeline and that. And the whole event was sponsored by Hidden Bridge. And I was just like, yeah, yeah go I, Joseph. There's, it's interesting because, you know, it's, I understand why it's, there, there's some things I don't want to work, some organizations I don't want to work. I don't, like I said, I am doing a keynote, but I'm working on it because the truth is that's, the, the more keynotes you do, the more you don't have to take a job. But there are lots of corporations that don't want to hire someone with my um, approach. And I'm not mad at them for that. That's the thing. Like, I, I'm not for everybody. And shouldn't be. You're for me, buddy. You're definitely for me. And I've been, I I've been enjoying you, you for that, that many years. I you know? you saying that. Uh, we, as I said, we, we were talking yesterday. We first met actually on air. I'm sure we met in the studio. Yeah, with we met handshake. coming in with a handshake. Yeah. Yeah, kind of green room sort of meeting. But, I love um, watching your show because you, because I mean, you did it by yourself. And it's risky as fuck. Your show wasn't about, even if, you, I don't know what you, why you did that show, but it's your show, you couldn't have done it it wasn't about vanity because the show doesn't make you look like a typical leading man, like hosts, right? It, that show made you vulnerable. And people, when people do it, it's usually for effect, except on that show, you could really hurt yourself, and you did, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, the only vanity came in in the editing suite when I would tell the editors, okay, that's a really bad shot of my balding head. Don't yeah, show yeah. that angle. <laughs> that's okay, or, though. Or I'm bending over and you can see my, my love yeah, handle. Yeah. Fucking right, that's totally cool, That'd man. Be, take it up. Yeah, yeah, if you want to tighten that up a bit, go for it, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I got no Airbrush out the love handles, would you? <laughs> I got to look ripped. Why not? Um, I hope you, I mean, I know you will keep doing what you're doing, and I'm really grateful that you came and you did this with me. I, honestly, I wasn't, I, I just, honestly, I thought, no, I'm going to ask George. I'm yeah. telling my son, I'm going to ask George. He's going to tell me he's too busy. Because yeah. you are incredibly busy, and I admire and I respect yeah. that. I wanted to do this, though. I want to so do this with you. We'll, we'll t and, and I hope we do it again. Yeah. Because you can see, like, that's why I was sort of saying there, I don't, I don't even know who my audience is. I don't yeah. care who my audience is. I just want to yeah. be part of this kind of thing. This kind of right. discourse, I want to be part of. And granted, you did your thing in the past, and I did my Survivor Man thing yeah. in the past. That's just all part of our growth. And listening to words of, of wisdom from people like Bono, and you know, as you know, I'm, uh, tomorrow I'll be interviewing David Suzuki. Amazing. It's what we need. Yep. I think there's a lot of interviewing going on that's very fluffy. Your interviews have, have, I will say this, whether they were good or whether they're bad, I will tell you one thing, they were never, ever fluffy. I never watched a Strombo interview and thought, well, this is going to be a bunch of bullshit yeah. stuff about the new album or right. the new book. It's like, no. It's like... George is always trying to dig into yeah, what that. this person is about to say. Always tried. Didn't always get it right, but that's okay. You can't get it right all the time. So tell me what's next, and then I'll let you go. I've been working a lot. i got a new interview series coming back, which is nice. I have is, this, an, oh, is this online podcast, TV, radio? It's going to kind of be, yeah, it's gonna okay. be a, it's gonna be a kind talks. of all-encompassing thing. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be a good thing. Um, I have a, an interview series. Like I said, I have a, my music show on CBC, which I love to do still. I have script, some scripted stuff. We sold our first scripted series, producing my first US feature. I reject the notion of stay in your lane. And so I took a look and like, I'm 47 years old and I looked at what I've done. I've had a very lucky career. I've been a part of some pretty amazing things with some amazing teams. I've been good at it and bad at it and I've done, and I've, I've enjoyed the run. I sat back and thought, if I keep doing this, I'll make a fine living for the rest of my life. But what if? What if I just keep trying different shit? Cause that's what excites me. And I know people won't like it at first and I don't care because you're changing things. You're breaking their, their, your contract with them in a way. But my contract has always been, look, I'm just an authentic guy who's trying to help you run through life and maybe connect you to cool people and, and maybe help you go to bed knowing a little more than you did today and feeling better about yourself. That's my, my, my contract with the audience. I could still do that with scripted business and I've got this really crazy docu-series that we're really close to getting done in the States. 
That's a really uncomfortable show. Some technology stuff we're working. Yeah, there's a lot happening. But what I needed to do, and I started this process, at the moment I took the hockey job, I knew the hockey job wasn't going to last. So I started this company and this process because there was a lot of shit I didn't know how to do. Because I'd been in the TV wheel and the radio wheel for so long, I didn't know how to do stuff. So I actually started to develop a company with, with my team and we tried shit and learned shit so that when I was ready, I was going to be as equipped to do that as I was when I first got the interview show. And I just know that if you don't lay the groundwork, you can't do it right. And I didn't want to trade off fame or profile or, or my social media following. I wanted to actually like know the shit. And I also thought if I'm 40, I was 43, I think when this ended. So it's like, I'm 43. I got a long, like I'm either going to die and then it won't matter. Or I got a long run, hopefully still ahead of me. So I want to keep doing that. And, but I can't do it the wrong way. Can't shortcut it. You've got to learn the system. I can't, I can't let you get go. I, I, yeah. the, the, you, you just said, I knew it wasn't going to last. Why did you know the hockey thing wasn't going to last? I just knew it. Got, I knew it before I took the job. Yeah. 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 I, I knew it was going to be a really good show if they let me do what they asked me to do. <laughs> but I also knew... Sorry for laughing, but I know... That they weren't going to do that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So I took a, I took a risk, but it wasn't really a risk because some people said to me, oh, it was really risky to take this job. I'm like, dude, you know it's risky? Running from the John Jaweed. You know what's not risky? Hockey Night in Canada. It's not risky. It's a fucking show about a game that's being sponsored by a phone company where CEOs are thrown in jail, right? Like, it's, it's, that's not risky. You know, that's just a job. And I think a lot of people in Canada, this is what a can the Canadian media is not good at. The Americans are way better at. This country doesn't understand how our industry works. So you do a show and then you don't do a show and it's like a headline or it's a thing. And it's like, no, shows happen all the time and go away all the time. This is the business. So we're a small country. But we're a great country, aren't we? We're I mean, I'm sounding stupidly patriotic, but fuck, I do. I really do love Canada. I'm struggling with the patriot. I don't have the patriotism. You know, oh, have. you know what? Though? I mean, I heard I recently the thing. It was I was listening to one of those old flashback shows with uh, the guy on CBC. I love him to death. Uh, Sunday morning. Evan? Uh, no, the older gentleman. Um, yeah. Rex? Not Rex. No, not Rex. Not Peter. Sunday morning. <sighs> on listening. radio? Yeah. Michael Enright? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So Michael, and it was he was introducing the flashback thing, and it was Pierre Burton, who said, "You know what, Canadians." are fiercely patriotic. We just don't talk about it. And I thought, that is the best way I've heard that because I've been struggling with, you know, I go down to America and it's the same with flags on every finger and all that. Yeah. Said, no, no, we're incredibly, we, we just, no, sorry, we don't pledge allegiance is what Pierre said because we live it. We know we don't need to pledge it every morning because we are it, you know? Right, and, and I think that might have been older, but. Yeah, and he's right in theory, mm -hmm. but not in practice because we're a country that oppressed a lot of people and Indigenous people, and you spend a lot of time That's in those true. communities. I have decided that I won't brag about Canada until everybody here has access to clean drinking water. Yeah, this prime minister, previous prime ministers have not done it. They've not done it. It's not Justin Trudeau's fault alone. It's not the Liberal Party's fault because it's only been the Liberals and the Conservatives. And then provincially, it's been Liberals, Conservatives, and New Democrats. If every citizen doesn't have access to clean drinking water, then your country's a lie. And I'm happy to I'm happy to take that position. It's a strong position to take. You're never going to be bragging then. The, the, the day is not. But I'm a huge supporter of Mark Matson and Riverkeeper and yeah. and things like the Swim Drink Fish campaigns and these things. I remember talking to our friend Denise Donlin. I remember because she's a big environmental head, and I said, you know, there is absolutely zero reason, given the way geology and everything and geography and water and hydrology works, that the Don River. I couldn't walk down to the Don River with a cup 
and drink out of it. There's no reason why that shouldn't be possible today. And it's not because of what we do. It can, it's a river. It cleans itself right. every single day. It's, right. clean, it's trying to clean itself. Right. Uh, agreed. It, it, we should be able to and have every river in every city. But there's all these indigenous communities that actually have poison water. And, Grassy meadows. Yeah. yeah. And the government has to fix that. That's your number one job. Your number one job is to make sure that people have a shot. And if you let them drink dirty water, poison water, and it's on your watch, then it's on your head. And I'm very unrelenting about that. So I don't believe most, I'm not cynical about politics at all, but I'm hypercritical, but I'm not cynical. I know it can be better. Uh, I just don't think the people have an appetite for it yet. And I, th I hope they do because people are dying. People are dying in communities. Um, and so that's why I can't be patriotic. It's, it's not just that the river's poison because that's bad, but it's, or that, you, that we can't drink from the river. It's that there are marginalized communities being intentionally punished by our system. And I just, I'm just sort of over it. You're, I'm, a, I'm you're, over a, hard, you're a hard judge, man. But it's you, true. You, I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing. Yeah. Or even, that's not even a diss. I'm saying. No, you know what? You Here's are. the thing, man. I am a warm, loving open person i it's always a good time in my world i love I, like it's we're good times over here i attest to that yes but i'm also not going to feed the bullshit wheel that people do and people in our position always do because we get a little bit of success make a little bit of bread get a little bit of profile people give us more breaks than we maybe ought to have people give us more grief than we ought to get but when you reach our positions that you and i have been lucky enough to reach you know, it's easy just to kind of like, don't rock the boat because you want to keep the fucking boat floating. And I was just like, yeah, but I want everybody to be in the boat. That's it. I just want everybody to be in the boat. And so at my age and with my energy and my fight, I'm never going to fucking, never going to be, that. I'll be hard. You're 47. I'm 47. I'm 57. And I feel the same. I will listen to someone, I listen to someone, big Canadian celebrity rundown, everything they did that year, it was about two years ago at New Year's Eve. It was, love him or hate him, it was Randy Bachman. And I, and I remember listening to the list of things he said he did that year, and I remember feeling sheepish. I thought, my God, if a 70 plus year old man yeah, can accomplish that much in one year, what the hell am I whining about, Stroud? Get up off your ass and get back to the wit. And so I've always been a massive fan of artists who are prolific. I, George, consider you, as well as mutual friends of ours like Laurie Brown, even though you are media people, I consider you every bit the artist. You are absolutely an artist. You, What you've done, you've done as an art form. There's lots of people who interview and they suck. That ain't you. There are artists in the, in the role of interviewing the Peter Zoskis of this world and the George Strombolopoulos of this world are artists in what they do. They're beautiful to listen to. And, I, and I'm going, and this is no, this is not, I'm not doing the Joan Rivers blowing smoke up your ass thing now. I really mean, that's the only reason I want to talk to you. There's lots of people I don't want to talk to. I love talking to artists who are prolific, who are driven, and, uh, and just keep it coming. I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by you. I, I, I told you yesterday off, off microphone, I said, you know, I asked Bruce Coburn, what keeps you going? What keep, and, and he just said, and it was like that pause, you know, time. I'm not dead yet. And I'm smelling the same thing from you, man. It's like, I'm not dead yet. What are you saying? Dude, remember what Martin Lawrence said? Ride this thing till the wheels come off. <laughs> That's what this is. And we close on the national anthem. And we anthem. close on the <laughs> Thank you, brother. Good to see you, brother. Yeah, man. Thank Thanks. You. Now we've been um, crouched down on the ground here and I can't move my legs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are getting old. Yeah, I know. We sounded like a couple of bros congratulating each other for the lives we've lived. But the thing is, 
Though I come from a world ten years prior to George's, we both have held our own and gone toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose, refusing to back down, holding gaze against the vacant stares of network idiot bean counters who don't know a denouement from an appendix. And most of the time, we've both won. And that feels great. You know what else feels great? Working with the masterful and artful team at Apostrophe Podcasts. Not bean counters. Not risk-averse. Just passionate about presenting important and powerful messages with podcasts like We Regret to Inform You and Alone Together. And of course, their flagship, Under the Influence. This podcast is, as the saying used to go, brought to you by Aggressor Adventures. Choose your adventure. Surviving Life with Les Stroud is presented by the Apostrophe Podcast Network and is mixed by Keith Ullman. You're surviving life with me, Les Stroud. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Survivor Man Les Stroud, as I have hundreds of videos there and more going up every week. From Survivor Man Archive to Bigfoot to Wild Harvesting Tips to Urban Disaster Survival, it's all there and it's all free. My brand new series, Wild Harvest, featuring local foraging and turning those wild edibles into sumptuous dishes, is now on National Geographic Asia, PBS stations in the United States, and Cottage Life Television in Canada. The brand new special, Surviving Disasters with Les Stroud, is now on a PBS station near you in the United States or on my YouTube channel. And my brand new children's book, Wild Outside, written for your kids. It's all about getting your kids into the out of doors. And it's out now. Google it. I'm an easy find on Google for those and so much more that I produce during any given year, no matter what's happening on the world stage. We'll figure this life out together. Cue that rip and harmonica solo, Keith. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.